Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Dr. Kristen Eccleston, aka the Neurodiverse Teacher. Kristen, how you doing? I am great. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. Thanks for coming on the show. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. That's a really good question. So a little bit more about myself. So I was a special education teacher for a really long time. Uh, I left the classroom about two years ago, and now I work as an education consultant, but my specialty area is in mental health and the education setting. So that's what I, a little bit about me and what I like to focus on. And what do I do for fun? That's a great question. So I am very ADHD. So what I like to do for fun changes on a regular basis. Um, Kind of, I seek out the dopamine. So it can be movies, it can be traveling, it can be just being lazy is sometimes exactly what I like to do for fun. I am a huge proponent of being lazy. Yes, we <laughs> all need it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what made you make the switch from special ed teacher to education consultant? Oh, that's a good question. In honesty, it was a lot of like all the life events happened at the same time. Um, I had a health issue that happened. I had a teacher issue that happened. Um, they had an affair with one of our students. So that became, yeah, became incredibly stressful. Um, I wasn't taking care of my own health because of all the stress. I ended up having to have kidney surgery for it. My mom had throat cancer. It was like literally one of those periods in your life where like everything was just all happening at once. And I just went, okay, I think the universe is trying to send me a very loud and clear message. And I'm just not picking up on it, that it's time for me to kind of shift my energy and go in a new direction. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. funny how sometimes we need to be not nudged, but like right? across the head. With yes. The message. And and that's that was what was happening. I mean, I, I had fallen down the stairs. I was in a boot. Like, this was all stuff that was, like, happening at the same time. So I definitely was like, all right, universe, I hear you. I think you had given me some subtle nudges. And when I didn't move, it was like, I'm going to make you move. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, tell us a little bit more about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? You know, that's a really good question. And I really think what my motivation is, is this idea of hope that there's always going to be this exciting day that's ahead of me, this opportunity that I don't know about yet, this this thing that's going to come out of nowhere and and just be this like life-changing moment. And you know what? I might get through my whole life and that never happens, but the idea of it happening and the idea of being able to take something that's meaningful to me, which is adolescent mental health, and make it impact is what motivates me. Like I, I wake up every day with today could be the best day of my life, I think just like I shared, I had a series of moments in my life that weren't so great. I believe the opposite can happen too, that you can have moments in your life that are, you know, transition your life, that change your life, that, you know, are huge, that are big. And just like it feels like in a second, the bad things happen, just in a second, the good things can happen too. And so I think that's what wakes me up and motivates me every day is this 
there's this opportunity of limitless opportunity, I guess, of just exciting and new things that could happen at any moment. Mm, I love that. And now I'm curious because mm-hmm. I would say I wake up with that same hope, but mm-hmm. by the same token, I also have those days where I wake up and I literally don't want to get out of bed because the day ahead of me seems challenging or maybe there's something I don't want to do. 200 cold calls I don't want to make perhaps. But, um, so do you hold the idea of hope and it gets you up out of bed every morning and you're like, whoo, so excited to take on the day? Or is there those days as well as the days where it's like, maybe I am not like feeling it a lot right now, but I still have that idea of hope pushing me. So a hundred percent, I have days just like everybody else where, you know, anxiety takes hold, depression takes hold. And it's so funny because some days there isn't even a reason, you know, there was no reason for me to feel negative about anything. It was like the day before I was living on this high, high of awesomeness. And then the next morning I wake up and I just feel like, who am I kidding? Why do I think I can do this? You know, so I have those thoughts go through my mind too, you know, just like I think everybody does. And I think we don't talk about that enough. I think everybody has those thoughts where we one moment we are the best thing ever and we believe in ourselves. And then the next moment, for no apparent reason, we're who are we kidding? Why are we even bothering? It's not happening at the rate I want it to happen. And, you know, I'm not achieving what I want to achieve. But I think what I do in those moments is I try to remind myself that this is a moment, that this is how I feel right now. And it's okay to feel this way right now, even if there isn't a reason triggering it. But I can't stay in this moment. It's not going to do me any good to stay in the moment. It's not going to do the world any good to stay in this moment. So it's kind of acknowledging the moment and saying, but, you know, good things are still going to come. Tomorrow is a new day. Later today could even be life changing in any type of way. So I acknowledge the moments. They come to me just like I think they come to everybody else. But I try not to let them suck me into their vortex because I have in a period of my life been sucked into that vortex and it took a long time to crawl out of it it took me almost two and a half years to crawl out of it after three years ago or two years ago when i left the uh the classroom you know i was in one of those vortexes and it took me a long time and it took me having to talk to people about what i was going through and my feelings to climb out of it and so i try to honor myself in the fact that I've been there. I've had to climb out of it. I've done a lot of work to climb out of it. It's okay to feel these emotions and these feelings, but we got to keep moving forward. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is so, so important to realize it is just a moment. And I think it actually answered one of the questions we will um, ask later. So maybe we won't ask that question, but (laughs) that idea of this is just a moment. It's a passing thing. Is that something you developed kind of as you went through life? And at what point? Because, you know, some people are like 45 and then they get caught up in the moment and don't have Mm -hmm. the self-awareness to back out of that. And then, you know, just observe the moment, let the emotion pass, but not necessarily act on it in a crazy way. So when did you kind of get to the thought process of this is a moment? That's a good question. So I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, just that series of events that happened several years ago. But I think, too, just life, you know. I'm almost 40. And so I'm at a point in my life where I've had life experiences. And so every time that something has felt like it was the end of the world, or how was I ever going to recover or life is horrible, right? Time healed, time went on. And then I had an amazing thing or an exciting opportunity or something came about. So I think just life experience is one thing that shows you that life is just a collection of moments. Some are great, some are bad. And in honesty, it's, 
as much as we don't enjoy being in the negative moments, I mean, who enjoys being in a negative moment, right? How are you ever going to enjoy the positive if you don't have anything to compare it to? And usually the things that make you have to do life changes, right? Like leave a classroom and leave behind things and take leaps of faith or those things that made you uncomfortable and then make you have to change. And it's scary when it's happening. I mean, it's scary for your brain, how the way your brain is wired when it's happening. But if you don't have those uncomfortable moments in life, then you don't experience life because you don't ever have anything that's forcing you to move or forcing you to change or forcing you to take that that leap of faith, right? So they're uncomfortable, but they're almost necessary uncomfortables. And I think that just comes with life experience. And then when I had kind of my world all melt down kind of at the same time three years ago, you know, I had to do a lot of soul searching and really trying to discover who I am, what, you know, what am I interested in? You know, have I just been kind of stuck in the cog of the machine of life? And that's what I determined. And it really came into having to just rediscover myself, what I'm passionate about, what I want to do. And and like I said, I still struggle. You know, I didn't find the magic answer or anything. I still have day-to-day struggles, but it taught me that I have been in a low, low and I can crawl out of it. So I'm going to hit low lows again, but it doesn't have to be a wall that stops me from moving forward. Mm, Yeah. I like that a lot. That perspective is key because sometimes those moments can feel very long. (laughs) Yes. They, I mean, Mine was like two and a half years. And that's one of the things I try to tell people is like, sometimes your moment is not just like a day or two. Like sometimes it's prolonged, but you just got to wake up every day and keep pushing forward. And eventually that light at the end of the tunnel is going to start to shine through. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. So you've kind of come out of that moment. You got a little bit, um, you know, you know yourself a bit more, know what you want a bit more. Tell us about your vision for your life, your company, your career going forward. Oh, those are all such great, great questions. Cause I feel like I have like my realistic dreams and goals. And then I still have the like young teenage version of me's like fantasy dreams and goals too. So I'll start with the realistic ones and then I'll kind of transition. Let's start with the young teenage ones. <laughs> we start with that instead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So when I was younger, I was really, really into singing and acting and all that good stuff. I mean, I was not a good student. It's funny being a teacher, being a doctor in education. Like I was not a good student, not at all. I had ADHD. I didn't know I had ADHD. I didn't like going to school. I didn't enjoy school. There was nothing about school that got me excited except for being in chorus and doing plays and all. Like I just really, really enjoyed doing that. And I went off to college and I, I minored in theater. And the reason why I didn't major is I have wonderful parents. I really do. I, I can't complain about my parents. They were, they're great people, but they were of the generation where dreaming was not a profession, right? You needed to have a solid job. You weren't going to go to college and major in theater and then wait tables for the rest of your life type of situation. Like you needed to have a solid job. So, and I was definitely one of those people who who wanted the approval of my parents, who wanted my, my parents to be excited about the things that I was doing. So I kind of put my dreams and my ambitions on the back burner. I'm so sad that I'm that generation that like just missed social media. Just you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just missed social media, like TikTok, Instagram. That was not a thing when I was young, not even YouTube was a thing, right? So I, I didn't even have that as a platform to kind of like put myself out there on. And 
Um, I ended up only getting into college. Like I said, I was a horrible student because of singing. I was a, a distinguished scholar in vocal performance. I loved singing. I had always wanted to go and be on Broadway and, and sing. And I sometimes think I could have done it. Like I have the ambition. I, I hopefully I'm one of those people who aren't, you know, you watch American Idol enough. You're like, I think I have the talent, but some of these people, yeah. I'm not sure what's going on there. So I think I have the talent um, and the ambition. And I really wish I had 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 the, I don't know, I guess the courage when I was younger to say, mom and dad, I love you, but this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to go after. And I didn't. And I think that will probably be one of my biggest life regrets that I didn't go, this is my dream. This is my passion and I'm going for it. But on the other hand, maybe life works out the way it, way it does, because I do love what I do now. I'm very, very passionate about youth mental health. I love the students that I have worked with in my career. I've worked with over thousands of students and families. And so maybe sometimes life works out the way it's supposed to, because, you know, the universe, the world, whatever, you know, God, whatever anybody believes in, like, that is what I was meant to be, be doing. So my future dreams, at least now for what I'm doing in the education consulting world is really trying to bring more awareness to youth mental health needs, especially in the education setting, a need for education to not look like what it looks like right now, because I don't think that it is serving students in any capacity in the old outdated operating system. And I really hope like dream wise, I really want to become a thought leader in this and be that person who gets to, you know, be on Oprah or talk to, you know, big people or be on the news media really sharing their passion and ideas of how we can go forward because ultimately our youth and this sounds so cliche but our youth is our future and if we're not investing in them then what does the future look like yeah i think um i think mental health is so important and i guess a follow-up question maybe this ties into you when you were a mm -hmm. teenager and kind of you forsook or forsook what's the word forsaken yeah, forsake <laughs> your dreams. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that word is, you uh, abandoned them. There we abandoned go. my dreams. Yeah, we'll go with that. I like that. I think <laughs> yeah. I, the second one I said was a made up word anyway. So I like that. <laughs> awesome. So maybe this ties in, maybe it doesn't. But what do you think um, are the barriers today for youth when it comes mm -hmm. to their mental health needs and being in a healthy mental space? You know, well, that's such a complex question because there's so many things. I think some of it is the generation ahead of them. So their teachers, um, in fact, I know this because this is what my research was in, don't know what mental health looks like. Teachers don't know what it looks like. They don't know what to do with it. And that's not saying all teachers, but the mass majority of teachers. And I'm not beating up on teachers when I say that. I mean, university programs don't include mental health one-on-one -on -one for teachers. And a lot of the professional developments that are provided to teachers are very surface leveled and are being done in at times when teachers are already overwhelmed and, and overlooked. So I'm not pointing a, a finger at teachers. It's I'm just saying that that knowledge base for what you need is just not there um, and isn't being designed in such a way to get teachers that profession or that information. So that's one of my biggest concerns right now is that youth just don't have a generation ahead of them that is aware of what mental health looks like. I also think too, there's a lot of things that youth are exposed to now than, than we've ever been exposed to. Like 
just think about social media, news, everything, right? We have more information at our fingertips than we have ever had in anybody's lifetime right in this moment. And you can't, your brain is naturally wired. I'm going to get dorky here for a second, but your brain is naturally wired to, to take in the negative. Like, and I'll give you an example. I'm sure everybody has had an experience, right? Where you have had somebody say a hundred people can say a positive thing to you, right? Like you're so amazing. You're so awesome. Right. And then one person says something negative to you. And that's what sticks with you the most, right? That's the thing that bothers you. Not the 100 positive comments that you got, but that one negative comment. And that's because your brain is naturally wired to see the negative. And that was a survival thing. You know, when you showed up at the watering hole and there was a saber-toothed tiger there, your brain needed to remember not to go back there because you didn't get eaten. So, right? So that is a natural thing for your brain to do. But with all the information that people get now that's so negative, trolls, cyberbullying, just the news in general was happening in the world is depressing in itself, right? And so I think you have a lot of youth who are being inundated with negative messages that are being provided to them. And, you know, that that overwhelms your brain. It does change how your brain looks, the gray matter in your brain and how your brain functions. I think there's a lot of things that are happening too. I think there's a lot of parents who in a place of love, and I truly think it came from a place of love, and I'm saying this as a parent, who remember yucky feelings like bullying and didn't want their child to have to experience some of those yucky feelings, um, have prevented their children from having to experience some of those unpleasant things in life. And then students are not getting some of that perseverance or resiliency skills that are needed in order to get through life. You know, breakups happen and they stink and they're horrible, but that's not something that should be life ending. Yeah, they stink. But if you didn't have any of that opportunity to fail in life because somebody was always stepping in and protecting you from it, then you're never going to build up that resiliency and that perseverance. So it's such a loaded question because I think there are so many things that are happening that are all contributing to why we're having such a youth mental health crisis right now. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. I heard kind of three big ones. And it's funny because those three big ones manifest in many, like there's not a fix all solution for any one of those yeah. big issues. And it sounded like it was lack of quality role models who understand mental health and can mm -hmm. pour into the kids. You have the kind of helicopter parents that are preventing their child from experiencing anything bad. So some of the character traits aren't being um, built like they could be. Yeah. And then you have the flip side of that where kids are allowed to run wild on social media and get an mm -hmm. influx of negativity yes. and our brains really focus on the negativity. And then that focus actually changes the gray matter in our brain is what you said. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, those are really big issues. And honestly, not just for our youth, but it's for very everyone. Yeah. And, and I think so many people, I, I mean, I focus on youth, but really I think everybody's mental health right now, especially post pandemic is yeah. not been in a great place. I think some of that was, you know, we were all on this cog, right? You know, this wheel of we get up, we go to work, we get up, we go to work. And then the pandemic disrupted that. And I think a lot of people kind of woke up to like, what was I doing? Like, this is what I was doing with my life. I did not enjoy that. But while you were in it, you didn't realize that you were kind of stuck in this rut until something kind of stopped the brakes. And you finally went, wait, I don't think I like this. And I think a lot of people realize that they don't like it. And the unfortunate thing was when 
you know, the world kind of started back up again and people didn't have a lot of options to, you know, change their lifestyle because you still got to pay your bills. Right. Then I think mental health started to kind of creep in because people are like, I'm miserable and I know I'm miserable, but what can I do about it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, given that we have those kind of barriers to mental health, and you're trying to raise awareness for mental health. And we've talked about your vision of raising awareness. What are some of the um, changes we could make to like get better role models in or like stop the influx of negativity? Because Facebook's not going anywhere. But how right. can we like help kids in those domains, if that makes sense? I don't no, know if you have an answer because it's a big problem, but. I think the first one I can I can answer pretty easily. And I think that is just, right off the bat when people if anybody is going to college to become teachers anymore because that's an issue in itself but <laughs> if people are i think including classes about mental health what it looks like how you know what are red flags especially red flags for students who i like to call it internalizers so ones that are not necessarily outwardly showing their emotions the ones that are easily overlooked what are those red flags look like what can i do if i come across it what should i be doing with the student and and i want if teachers are listening, I want them to know I'm not advocating for them to have one more job role or responsibility. You know, there should be social workers and psychologists who are stationed in buildings, but teachers are essentially the first line of defense. They're the ones who spend the majority of the time with students. So at least being able to identify and refer on to somebody is key because I don't think the teachers right now just have that information to be able to be an identifier and then refer it on because they're not realizing that what I'm looking at is a mental health needs. They're thinking they're looking at somebody who's being lazy or somebody who just doesn't care or somebody who's just not engaged in school when really there's a larger thing at play. And it's needing to have that level of awareness and information so that it can at least refer it on to the people, social workers, psychologists who are in, in their building. Because I know that's one of the biggest things that teachers say right now, right, is that, you know, we're overwhelmed. And I get it. I've been a classroom teacher. I, I understand being overwhelmed, but there needs to just be a level of understanding and knowledge. And that can be done through university prep programs. And that can even be done through professional development that's done in a meaningful and correct way and not just piled on teachers during a pre-service week when they have a million other things going on. For the social media aspect, that's a lot more complex, right? Because we've all gained this, this idea that we all want to make it seem like we're living these amazing lifestyles. So I think one of the biggest things that we need to start talking more about to kids is nobody really puts their bad stuff on social media, right? We all want everybody to think that we're living this like high, high life, right? There's even things in California, I watched a documentary where you can go rent for an hour. It looks like a, a private jet, but it's really like a almost like a movie set type of thing. And you can go in and take your selfie so it looks like you're on some private jet. And, and all they did was rent this, this movie set prop for an hour so they could take their selfies. And so I think there just needs to be more conversations around how life on, on social media is not real life. Like don't try to achieve this level of social media life like, you know, vacationing in Greece and I'm on a cruise and I'm on my private jet because most of the time, even influencers who are, you know, certified influencers are usually not being 100% transparent yeah. with what's going on because they're also trying to get you into like, look at my life, look how awesome things are. You know, you know, I want you to think that I'm this particular person. 
And I think a lot of it, you know, to some degree, we're all a little insecure. We all want to have this validation, every single one of us. Um, and I, I don't know if it's if it's something that can actually be done through the platforms itself or if it's just needing to have more conversations and and bringing more awareness to that to our youth. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to bring that awareness, especially like people renting the Lamborghinis, renting like right. movie sets to, it's just like, they're really just, it's their marketing. Right. <laughs> like they right. want to sell you something and they want to be like, what I did gave me this life. And so now I'm selling you on how to do this thing. And there are some gurus out there that are helpful and mm -hmm. they can actually help you out. But the majority of them are not helpful. And yeah. a bigger majority don't live like that all the time. Like you may, that may be their one week vacation, all 52 right. weeks of the year. And that's what you got right. pictures of for the next 24 weeks or whatever it is. So Right. And then they, they post those pictures sporadically throughout the year, right? To make it look mm -hmm. like we've been on this vacation for this extended period of time. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I do have a question. This is a bit personal from my end coming towards you. So yeah. back when I was a youth, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm not a youth youth, how you would work with them anymore, but I'm still very young. <laughs> um, so back in high school, I was really, really miserable. Like I had suicidal ideation. Like yeah. I was not happy. Part of the like waking up today and not wanting to get up stems from like that was a habit I built in high school because I hated what I was doing so much. And so my question to you is, how do you hold up authenticity and responsibility at the same time? Because my biggest issue in high school was the fact that I knew I needed good grades. I knew I needed to play football because I thought that was my only way to help out my family at that mm -hmm. time. And so yeah. I thought that was my only way to succeed. So I felt this heavy responsibility, but I knew I hated playing football and I myself would have rather done some acting or mm -hmm. um, like I dropped theater going to high school to play football when I did both in middle school. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like a lot of kids and we kind of talked about this earlier with adults. We were saying the pandemic came. They were like, what have I been doing? I don't like this. Mm -hmm. But now they're stuck doing the same thing because you got to pay the bills. Um, but it may not be your most authentic self. Mm -hmm. So. Problem being, we have responsibility that stops us from pursuing authenticity. How can we hold those two up at the same time in our life? That is a really good question. And, you know, I feel like for a lot of my life, I have been trying to to try and find that balance, too. And I think what I, I would say to to young people, to, to anyone who is trying to balance that out, just from my personal life experience, is regret is a lot heavier than failure. Mm. And I will say that regret is a lot heavier than failure. Failure, you at least have a lesson that you can pull from. Regret just sits like a rock in your stomach for the rest of your life. And I'm not saying, you know, for everybody just be like, forget my job. I don't have to worry about eating or my bills. I'm just going to go pursue my passion. Like, I understand there has to be a level of being realistic. But I would say if you can, to any degree that you can, if you're somebody who is young and you're in school and you really feel passionate about theater, like if I could go back and, and tell you and myself, because it sounds like we had some of the same stuff, right? I would say your parents might not like it. Your parents might be disappointed. And I get how heavy that is because I felt that very much so. Like I, I, like I said, I wanted my parents to be happy with the choices I was making. I wanted 
to impress them. I wanted them, you know, their approval essentially. And so when they didn't back me in some of the things I wanted to do, it it felt very defeating. And, you know, it made me just go, well, it's not worth it then. And I wish I had had the strength. And what I would say to you is have the strength to go. It's okay if people are disappointed in me. It's okay if people don't like my choices, because ultimately I'm the one who has to live with my choices. I'm the one who is either going to be happy and loving what I'm doing, or I'm going to be doing something that other people are happy about, but I'm miserable why I'm doing. And which one, which one weighs more to you on that scale of life, right? The thing that's making you happy or the thing that's making everybody else happy and you miserable. And so there's going to be, you're going to be uncomfortable either way, right? There's going to be discomfort and either disappointing people or disappointing yourself. But which one of those two is easier for you to live with? Disappointing others or disappointing yourself? And ultimately, you live 24-7 all day long with yourself, right? And so I think it's a lot easier to have that conversation, which are hard conversations, and say, I understand this is the direction you want me to go in, but this is what I need for me, and this is why. This is where my passion is. I might fail. This is what I wish I said to my parents. I might fail, and it's okay if I fail, but at least... I tried. And if I have to come back to the drawing board and reset, then I'll come back to the drawing board and I'll reset. But I have to at least have given myself that opportunity to have tried it, you know, because failure doesn't have to be this lifelong you're condemned. And I think that was my mindset when I was younger, that if I failed, then I was condemned for the rest of my life. I will have failed. I can only ever, you know, wait. Ta- and I'm not anybody in the food service industry. I've waited tables. So I'm that is a hard job and not putting it down. But, you know, I don't want it to be that I I can only do one thing for the rest of my life, you know, that is this low level or not paying because I failed. No, what ended up happening with me is how I got into education is after college, I got my master's degree in special education and I went into it. I could have gone off to New York, California for five years. And if I failed, that master's program would have still been waiting for me when I got back. And I could have started then five years later and still be maybe not in the exact same spot, but still in a similar position. And I think as an adult, it's the same thing. We have to find those checks and balances, right? So if we're still really passionate about acting or singing, but we still have to pay our bills and our rent and all that good stuff, right? Then maybe we have to just find a job that has some flexibility associated with it. You know, maybe something that's remote so that if I needed to travel for something, I could still get money. So it's, having to think through, okay, yeah, I can't just go, you know, forget it world. I'm going to go pursue my dreams. I have responsibilities, but what can I find in my life that lines up with my responsibilities so that I can still go and pursue my passion? Obviously, if you wanted to be an an actor or singer, you couldn't go work a nine to five corporate job and be married and have kids because when are you going to have time to pursue that passion? So it's aligning your life with what can I do to still uphold my responsibilities, but still have that affordability in time to pursue my passion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love the, it kind of all started with, before I went to the practical, how can I align um, my dreams and goals with my responsibilities Mm -hmm. and just kind of manage my time? It started with stopping all the people pleasing. And to start pleasing yourself. And I think that's where the leap changed for me. Like 
I was playing football and I was miserable. I was getting good grades and I was miserable. And I always wanted to be entrepreneurial anyway. I didn't care about school. Grades kind of ticked me off. All that stuff. When I got to college and I was finally like separated from people physically, I was like, mm -hmm. okay, now I can make some decisions for my own. Ended up quitting football. Ended up not caring as much about grades. I still got my diploma, but I, I didn't care as much about grades. And um, it was just so refreshing. And yeah. the suicidal ideation went away. A lot of like uh, the depression went away. And what I will say is it's not like it got easy because then what started happening was I started acting of my own volition. And I started talking about things I actually wanted to do, like entrepreneurial things, big vision things. And I started mm -hmm. doing those things. And what came was criticism. And that's what made it hard. It wasn't that um, people weren't even that disappointed at me for quitting football. Yeah, they were disappointed with kind of like the reality that they were facing. I would like push it up against themselves by mm -hmm. trying to be something different. Like yeah. maybe they wanted to be something different. They're insecure. They're not taking action. So when you try to go be fully yourself, people are going to criticize you because mm -hmm. they want to do the same thing. And so that, I would say that was the hardest part stopping the people pleasing people weren't disappointed for that long but it was the criticism that came from people that i cared about yes once i changed my path so and just, and you were 100 percent. you nailed that you nailed that nail right on the head there right like it was their own insecurities it was their own self-criticism and i think a lot of it especially if this was any kind of parental figure or family member a lot of them don't realize that they love you and but what they're doing is their fear of seeing anything bad happen to happening to you comes through in like not the best messaging. Um, it happens to people with like ADHD all the time. It's like, you're so smart if you just tried harder, like type of thing. Yeah. And like, you probably get the same thing. It, it's meant to come from a place of love, but it's because it's coming from a place of fear. The messaging isn't necessarily the messaging that it needs to be as far as supporting you and what you're trying to go for. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, awesome. We got a couple more questions for actually a lot more questions. So we're going to run through this. <laughs> yes, yes. But first, do you have any dreams or goals, any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about before we move on? You know what? I think those are my biggest dreams and goals. But sometimes I even, it's so funny when I was younger. And when I say younger, I mean like 18, 19, 20. Like I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And now I'm I'm almost 40. I'm, I'm almost 38. I'll put it like that which is almost 40, but I like <laughs> not being quite 40. So we'll say 38. And sometimes I get stuck. And, you know, am, am I, you know, I've gone down such a, a long path in education. Like, do I have to just say goodbye to any other kind of dreams? And, goals? and recently, and this was like a recent revelation that I came to, it's like, why can't I do everything? Like, if I can find the space and the time and I'm not, you know, hurting myself mentally or my family, like, why do I have to limit myself to just being this one person? If I'm a multi-passionate type of individual, then why can't I pursue all my dreams and goals? Why do I have to just be seen as this person who just does this? Yeah. Mm. I love that. I love that specifically because I'm going to challenge you on that actually. A little okay, later please, the podcast. Do. please do. <laughs> I love a good challenge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But first, what are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to accomplish your dreams and goals of becoming a thought leader, changing how education looks and bringing more awareness to youth mental health needs? Oh, you know, so I was recently on a television show um, called The Blocks 
and it's Wes Bergman's television show. And he's he was on The Real World back in the early 2000s. And he's like on all the MTV challenges. So anybody who watches like the challenge, he's like the redhead guy who like gets everybody fired up. And he's actually he probably would be so mad that I'm saying he's actually a really nice guy. And um, I was on a show and he pulled me aside and he said, you know, there are people here who need to like tone it down a little bit. And he's like, and there are people here who need to promote themselves more. And he goes, you would fall into that category. Mm. And it hit me, I think, for many years of being a teacher. And I am definitely not without insecurities. You know, I think growing up ADHD, not knowing it, getting a lot of negative messages said to me, um, being a people pleaser, right? You know, I have my own insecurities. And so it is very nerve wracking to put myself out there. Now, I'm not afraid to, as you can tell, I have no problem talking or talking <laughs> to people, right? But I think anything that could potentially come back and put me in this, like, oh, you're horrible, or why did you say that? Or what did you, you know, like that, you know, the criticism piece is hard. It's scary for me, that rejection. There's that rejection sensitivity that comes with um, with ADHD. And, and I think that that is one of my biggest things that I need to work on is just being okay with putting myself out there and being like, I don't, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. Like, this is authentically me. And if you don't like it, that's fine. You, you don't have to like me, but I'm okay with what I'm doing and I'm still going to put myself out there. So that would be a skill that I definitely need to work on in this moment. And you know, it's funny. I, I definitely had multiple skills when I was thinking through these questions earlier. And I'm sure I always have tons of things I need to work on, you know, and I'm OK with that. I think we all have tons of things oh, yeah. that we, we need to work on. But I think putting myself out there is a big one. And I think, um, you know, persevering, you know, when I talked about those times when things get that get harder is making sure that I'm I'm always persevering and always putting one step in the other and trying not to let myself get stuck in some paralysis that has happened to me before in the past where, you know, you just feel stuck or you start to self doubt yourself. Right. And you know, why, why am I thinking I can do this? Why do I think that I'm going to be able to accomplish this and trying to push that aside is still something I'm working on every single day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny. We were going to ask you about character traits too, but perseverance sounds like a good one to put down there. Yeah. What are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward? So we got the skill, promote yourself more. We got the character trait of perseverance, but what daily action is going to move you towards your dreams and goals? I think it's sending those emails, right? Sending those emails to people like the, you're like, should I send this? Is anybody going to respond to me? And I've done that. You know, I have sent emails to people who are, I'm like, there is a high chance that this person will never respond to me. But you know what? There's a higher chance that they will compared to if I didn't send that email at all. Facts. So I think that's some of what I have to do. And I have to convince myself every single time to do it. I, you know, I still get nervous or I overthink it. And, and that's something that I do on the on a regular basis is overthink things. So I, you know, I think just hitting send, sending those emails, that's a big thing for me. And just going it's okay if it doesn't work out but i'm i'm attempting every day i'm getting up and i'm putting one step or one foot in front of the other and i'm i'm making baby steps and even if they're baby steps they're still steps yeah yeah i love that who are you sending emails to when you send them sometimes it's to um like publicists of celebrities like a uh, michael phelps or simone biles like if i want to talk about neurodiversity on a podcast or something and i want somebody to bring some credibility to it you know, who am I right now in the scheme of things? And I say right now, I like to say right now, because I'm 
again, that dream, that hope, putting it out there into the universe that one day it'll be different. And it'll be like, uh, no, I'm sorry, Simone Biles and Michael Phelps. I don't have time right now to interview. Maybe one day <laughs> that'll be my life. But right now, trying to reach out and get them interested is not always the easiest thing when you're not this huge influencer type of person who, you know, that people know on a database basis. But we all have to start somewhere to get to that, to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, um, it's one of the things with this podcast, it's like, I post daily and honestly, mm -hmm. I made this podcast to bring more of the average or up and coming person on. Like I didn't want to be bringing just people of credibility on, mm -hmm. but now that I've learned a little bit more about business, a little bit more about marketing, I've mm -hmm. learned that I've learned to understand why people bring the credible people on because <laughs> that credibility brings attention, that attention brings influence and that influence is monetizable, which means you can yep. get more influence to help more people. And right. so it's a vicious cycle, right? And it's yes. like trying to find out, okay, where can I get in on this wheel? Like, okay, I see the wheel. What, at what point can I jump in and become part of this? And like, there's like, sometimes there's like no rhyme or reason. I don't know. If, do you know, I'm going to, I'm sidebarring for a second if you're cool with it, but do you know Elise Myers on TikTok? She is somebody who like, she had one TikTok where she was talking about this horrible date that she went on where she had like bought this tons of Taco Bell and then like it, there was like a whole story associated with it like one TikTok video about a horrible date and now she's doing stuff with like Megan Trainer and Lance Bass and the Backstreet Boys and like because of her one TikTok and so that's that goes back to the hope that I was talking about at the beginning too right it's like this one thing and you never know on what given day you're going to be able to do this one thing. I made a comment. I made a video. And that just happens to be the video that people finally go. Yes. Yes. That this like, like, like. and then next thing you know, you have two million likes and your life changes overnight. But every day you're like, you know, I'd put all this effort. And sometimes it's like all this effort that you put into stuff. And it's this one thing about a horrible date. And now you're working with like Lance Bass and Ryan Seacrest and Megan. Tr you know what I mean? And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like you post the video thinking that like, right. I, I even had a reel that I posted um, a couple of days ago and I have like 700 followers. So like mm -hmm. the podcast doesn't get a whole bunch of traffic from my social media. And mm -hmm. that reel got 12,000 views. And I was like, that's like so much better than the rest of my reels. And there's nothing special about this video at all. And so it's just stuff like that of like putting in the reps, putting in the quantity, mm -hmm. sending those emails to those people um, yeah. is the stuff that kind of helps. You the, the algorithm has something. Go I don't I don't understand the algorithm. Some, you know, like you hear so many theories. It's like, oh, if you post every day at the same time and the algorithm knows to expect your content. And then sometimes I just feel like it's like a lottery, right? It just happens yeah. like this just one bit. Because how many times have you been on TikTok? And it is the stupidest video you've ever seen in your life. And for, but for some reason, 2 million people have liked it. And you're like, yep. why? Yeah. I have made something or, you know, come across something that is way better than this. But somehow this is the one that got 2 million likes. What? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, awesome. If there were one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals, who would it be? Mm -hmm. And how would they do it? Well, I think the obvious answer is Oprah, right? Yep. I mean, everybody who wants to be credible or a thought leader in any kind of, you just got to sit in front of Oprah and Oprah believe in you. And then you've got the credibility that you need. So right off the bat, it's Oprah. 
And then I really like Gary V too. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gary V or I not. I love Gary. I'm more familiar I love with Gary V than Oprah. <laughs> I love him too. And I like him because I feel like he's that type of person who makes you feel like you can do anything. Like you can do this. Like just if you want it, then make it happen. Like I even subscribe to like his text messaging and that like comes out. And, and sometimes it's awesome. Like I'm having one of those days and then you get this and it's an automated like bot type of messaging, but it's just like, whatever you think you can't do right now you've got and I'm like thank you Gary V so I really like him too there's something about Gary V that I find to be very motivational as well oh yeah me too hands down Gary V's a boss yes cool now we're gonna jump into our thriving three real quick then I'm going to challenge you on the dreams and goals a bit and then we're gonna jump to our final series of questions sound good awesome awesome what is your favorite book movie or podcast pick one uh I'll go with my favorite book my favorite book is Into the Wild by John Krakenhauser, I think is how you say the last name. I taught it when I used to teach 11th grade English, and I loved it. And if you're not familiar with Into the Wild, it's that story. They made a movie about it, too, a couple of years ago. But it's essentially, this. it's a true story about a young guy who just decided to go, I think, I'm trying to remember what college he graduated from. But essentially, he just was like, forget it. I This is not the life I want to live. He like burnt all his money, everything, and just kind of like started backpacking through the United States, trying to make his way to Alaska. And unfortunately, he died in Alaska in a bus. And there, you know, kind of the argument in 11th grade English, at least when you're teaching it, is did that happen purposely? Like, did he go off? Did he, you know, did he want his demise to happen or was it just a fluke accident? And it kind of becomes that debate and you have to take a stance and write a paper on it. But I really got into the debate, even though I was nerdy and I was the person teaching it, because I thought it was a really great book of somebody who just goes, I want a different life than what the norm is, than what the standard is. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to experience what it is. Ultimately, I think it was a fluke accident. He had a book. He was living off the land, essentially. And he had a book that said, you know, different plants. These are edible and there's these are not. And there was one plant that looked very much like an edible plant and it wasn't and I think it just made him sick and it was like a series of events and then like the snow melted in Alaska and what once was like a puddle he was able to walk over became a raging river so he wasn't able to get back out so I don't think that it was something that he had done to himself I think it was an unfortunate accident but I like the idea of kind of the challenge of thinking through his life and just the fact that he was like I'm gonna go try something else like I'm not going to adhere to this prescribed way that my parents think I should live Mm. maybe that you know thinking back now maybe that goes to what we were talking about earlier maybe I never saw that's why I liked this book so much (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah maybe it sounds like it sounds yeah right awesome well what is one way you like to care for yourself you know there's so there's it's going to sound crazy but I do love doing this so because I'm ADHD, my brain is constantly having like a conversation with itself, right? Like there's, it's always going. And I love to do this thing. It's called float therapy, but it's essentially like a sensory deprivation tank. And it's a cool place. It's down the road from my house. You go in and you float in salt water in pitch black dark for about an hour. And it just like turns my brain off for an hour. And I love it. Like it, it was something that was really helpful. I found it when I had all that stuff happen to me a couple of years ago. And that was kind of what I used in my recovery. And it's something that I do um, on a regular basis. And it's just a way for me to go in and like turn off all the excess noise that's happening in my head and just kind of hit that reset button. That does sound like it'd be nice. 
it is I, I recommend it to everyone yeah yeah for sure and with that I have trouble floating so is it just like do you would have no trouble you would have no trouble it's so much salt water it's more salt water than the dead sea and you're only like in i would say like above ankle deep water because ah. you float so and then they even have like little noodles like there's one little noodle that has like a it's like a circle with a hole cut out and i like put it behind my head because i kind of fall asleep while i'm floating but i mean there's that much salt water that you wouldn't even have to worry about like falling asleep type of thing because you are going to float even if you're not a floater gotcha Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Could you make saltwater total sidebar so <laughs> like dense that you could stand on it? Seems impossible. But I'm like, is it? I, or would it just I would, change? I would think not only because you would essentially have to have it where there was just so much salt that it became like it just became a like, block of salt, yeah. essentially. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense. Awesome. Well, what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it too? Mm -hmm. meet Oprah or Gary Vee? Um, maybe I just need to reach out to their publicist and, you know, send that email and see what happens and say, hey, would you be willing to meet with me? Um, and, and I'm saying it jokingly, but not jokingly. I mean, maybe, you know, putting I think putting yourself out there, being vulnerable is one of the scariest and hardest things to do for anybody. And I think it's just being vulnerable and putting myself into situations where, yeah, I might get rejected or I might not get the result that I want, but I'm trying. And that's, that's the biggest takeaway is the, the try. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Before we jump into our final series of questions, I want to challenge you a little bit on dreams and goals. You said your okay. early teenage dream was mm -hmm. to be singer, songwriter, actress. I noticed you said you're on TV. Are you currently acting or was that like a talk show? So I, and very uh, fortunate, I guess, in the sense that I have had friends who from college who have gone on into spaces like that. And so I have been like a lawyer on a television show on Investigation Discovery, where it was like my friend was the casting person and they needed somebody for the day kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. I'll get a sub and I'll go. I mean, this was years ago. Um, so, I mean, I have done things throughout my career. It's definitely not a focus or I have jumped on you know, like a college student is doing a project and they need somebody. And this was during the pandemic. So I did like some virtual movie where we were all doing it on like Zoom and stuff. So I have done things like that before. But am I doing it on a day to day basis? I am not. I gotcha. I gotcha. If you could still be the singer, songwriter, actress that you wanted to be when you were a little girl, would mm -hmm. you do it? Or have has that like desire left you? That is a great question. And I know you ask a lot of great questions and I know I keep saying that, but I mean, it really is because I ask myself that question on a regular basis. And sometimes I feel like I get to the conclusion, like that was my younger self's dream and now things have shifted and that's okay. But the fact that it's always on the tip of my mind, the fact that I'm always thinking about it, the fact that it, I don't ever seem to let it go. And then like, it seems like every once a year I have like a, I call it a flare up of being like, I can do this. I'm doing this that I haven't let it go. If I had really let it go and, and moved on, then I wouldn't think about it at the rate that I think I think about it. But I do ask myself that question on a regular basis. Like maybe I just, that was my younger me that's still trapped and trying to get out. But I think there's definitely some level of passion that is still there. My hardest thing now, and now I'm going to contradict something I said earlier, but my hardest thing now is I am very busy in what I actually do professionally. 
And so trying to find that balance, but maybe that's also an excuse. Maybe that's my fear creeping in and trying to make an excuse. So uh, there's a lot to unpack there. And that's why that was a really great question, because it's something that I still struggle with and trying to figure out on a day to day basis. I feel that. I feel that if you had all the money in the world, all the time in the world and nobody's expectations mm -hmm. on your shoulders, would you spend some of it singing and acting in the public eye? A hundred percent. So maybe that's the answer right there. Maybe that's the answer. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, well, now I'm going to ask, have you ever thought about maybe like just recording yourself doing raw singing for like 10 minutes on a Saturday morning mm -hmm. and then like clipping it up and posting it on TikTok throughout the week? I have. And you know, it's funny. So I did go through this period of time where I was doing, have you ever seen on TikTok where people like duet me? Right. Uh -huh. And I was, and I was, and not on my TikTok account. That's like my neurodiverse teacher account. This was like my personal one before I started neurodiverse teacher. And I was doing, and I, I, I got good feedback, but you know, it was like my 20, I had like, you know, 200 followers. So I didn't have like, a, this is my, per, again, my personal my my neurodiverse teacher took off a lot better, but I'm not singing and dancing on that one. I'm talking about mental health and school yeah. and stuff. And people tend to, I guess, like that a little bit more. Um, but I got good feedback from people when I was doing it and I enjoyed doing it. Um, so I don't, but I've always like, there is that piece of me that comes back and goes, yeah, maybe I need to like do, do it some more, do it again, or do it in, maybe not just like hide behind a duet, like do my own thing or something. So those thoughts definitely go through my mind. There's, there is definitely some mental block that is sitting like right here and stopping me. And that has been, in, in all honesty, you know how we're always trying to kind of improve ourselves and move forward. That has been the mental block I have been trying to unearth, I would say for the last couple months of what is it exactly that is stopping me from achieving this? Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm doing it. Okay. We all okay. have them. There's a subconscious thing and I'm trying to figure out what that is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Well, maybe we're about to get into it right now because our final series of questions right. asks about some of those beliefs. So these questions do get a little bit personal. If you sure. do want to opt out, just say, I'm a pass. And I'll be like, cool, we'll pass. Go to the next question. Sound good? No worries. I will be an open book for you. Awesome. Well, what is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? I think there's a lot of self-doubt, you know, like I think a lot of my limiting belief is I'm too old or I'm not cool anymore or who would want to listen to me because, you know, I'm not a Gen Z. I'm definitely an elder millennial at this point in time. And like, so what do I have to offer? Like the ship has sailed type of thing. And I think that's my biggest limiting belief is I, I feel like I still have this dream, but the ship has sailed on the dream because, you know, I'm not this hip trendy type of person. And how could I ever be? Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. And where does that come from? Do you think it stems all the way back in childhood? Did you learn it in adulthood? What experiences can you kind of go back to in your brain where it's like, that's where that started? I think some of it, you know, if you were ever a theater or a singing type of person, especially if you had some talent behind it, people were not always the nicest. Uh, you know, you know, some people were amazing and I, I always had a group of people who wanted to sing with me or wanted to lift me up or wanted to do stuff. But then you also had people who, I hate saying this, but I'm going to go with jealousy or just, you know, they wanted to do stuff or, you know, you talked about it too. Like you're putting yourself out there and you're doing what you're liking and people can get critical because they wish they were doing it. So 
I definitely think I dealt with, you know, people who were just mean and sometimes people in high school and middle school are just mean too. Like that's a thing. It's not a new thing for anyone who thinks that's a new thing. It's not, no. I think from the beginning of school, that's been a thing. And then I think too, it, you know, like I said, I had great parents, but I think when you got messages like, are you going you, are you gonna be waiting tables for the rest of your life? Or do you know how many people go out and try to do this and they're never successful? And, you know, it's a lot of messages that make you go, well, I better just not try then because obviously if the people in my life don't think that I can do it, then why should I think I can do it? Yeah. Yeah. That is a very easy message to get from all that, especially when it's flooding you. Yeah. Like I've seen, I've seen people like cling to the one kind word that somebody says to them because they're being flooded with so much negativity when they're trying to make it. So yeah. I feel that. I feel that. Do you have any actions today, whether that be daily, weekly, monthly, annually that happen? And these are actions that reinforce these limiting mm -hmm. beliefs. So you have the self-doubt. It makes you think things. Those thoughts mm -hmm. make you feel things. And those feelings lead to these actions. Do you have any of those in your life today? I think we all do. Do you know? And sometimes they're not even, there's this idea or concept of perception versus reality. And I'll give you an example uh, real quick. So there might be somebody who thinks that their parents don't love them and are convinced that their parents don't love them. And their parents could be the most loving, wonderful individuals, right? But because that person doesn't think that their parents love them, then that's their reality. And it's the perception versus reality. Their perception is that their parents don't love them. So the reality becomes their parents don't love them, despite the reality that their parents do. And I don't know if that was a great example or not, but I think that that happens in life too. You know, our perceptions of what, you know, we take things in from our personal biases and we all have personal biases. Everything that's happened into our lives has led us to have a way that we see the world, right? And so I think sometimes if we have a negative interaction or someone goes, I don't, you know, I don't know if I like that. If we were already sensitive and already critical of ourselves, then that just reinforces to us. You know, so if someone was really, um, really strong in their concept of I'm really, really smart and someone was like, you're stupid, then that person would just be like, uh, what is wrong? Like, I know I'm not stupid. Like, I'm really, really smart. But if you were already kind of thinking like, am I smart? I don't know if I'm very smart. And then somebody goes, you're stupid. Then you're like, yeah, I am stupid. You know what I mean? So it, you sometimes become your own self-fulfilling prophecy and that perception versus reality creeps in because your brain even if that was not the intention of the person's message, your brain flips it to go ahead and fulfill what you already thought about yourself. Like if you're thinking you're stupid and someone says it, then you believe it. But if somebody says it and you don't think that, then you don't believe it. And that's just because of the perceptions in your own mind. So I think on a day-to-day -day basis, if I, I, mean, I get a rejection or I get somebody who goes, I don't like, you know what I mean? Then it's very easy to let those, those doubts creep in and go, yeah, it is. It is me. It, it, it's been me when in reality, that could just be that person or that wasn't even the intention of their message. And I my brain turned it into being that intention. Mm. I love it. So like letting the doubts creep in after rejection or some of the actions that will reinforce these beliefs that you some of the limiting beliefs that you have. Okay. That was my, you summed that up really well. I went on like a really long way of saying exactly that. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, if you were to change that limiting belief, all the self-doubt, too old, who would want to listen to me? What do I have to offer? If you were to change that into an abundant phrase that really mm -hmm. spoke to your heart, what would mm -hmm. that phrase be? You know, I think it would be, I'm capable of all things when I truly try. 
And, and there's a little story behind that. When I was a little girl, I, I had grandparents who lived in Florida. And so my grandmother would sometimes take me over to this local guy who would do water skiing at, I don't know. I'm thinking now Florida gators. What was anybody thinking? But luckily I didn't get eaten by a gator and I used to water ski. And I used to tell the instructor, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Cause I'd fall down, fall down, fall down. And one day I finally got up and he took a picture and he signed it and he goes, you never know what you truly can or can't do until you truly try. And that has always stuck with me. And I think that I can do anything when I truly try. And I just don't tell myself that I can't. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Oh, truly trying and mm -hmm. truly trying. It's like, it's so like, it really gets down to the core of you. And like, you're probably going to break down in the process of truly trying, but like, it's the like persistence, the not giving up the perseverance that we talked about and the like real massive action that mm -hmm. is behind some of these dreams and goals. Well, awesome. Yeah. I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but when the limiting beliefs start to take over, what thoughts or actions do you resort to in order to take back control and focus on abundance? It, it's that, you know, that this is a moment going back to what we talked about earlier is like, it's just a moment and it, this moment will pass just like everything else. And I just have to keep pushing forward because just like this moment stinks, the next moment could be amazing. So why would I want to give up on getting that amazing moment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. We got two more questions for you. I know we're about three to four minutes over. Do you have the time? I'm good. I'm good. Perfect. So I want to frame this next question. Alex Hormozzi, do you know who that is? I don't, but... Okay, but I read I read the question, so but fill me in. I'm 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 ready. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's a beast. You should check his book out. Hundred million okay. offers. Big YouTube okay. influencer, entrepreneur guy. Awesome. He said that the difference between manipulation and help is intent, and I think his point here is that you're influencing people in both situations. But manipulation is about getting somebody to do something you want them to do, while help mm -hmm. is about seeking to understand what somebody else wants and helping them get there. Okay. This question is about help, not manipulation. That was the point of that pretext. Mm -hmm. now, there's a common saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I actually found out from Dr. Alan Laika, who was a guest on my show, that you can mm -hmm. make it drink. You just have to salt its oats. Now, okay. I want you to think about a person with a fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help. They're not willing to accept change, but they hate their life. Mm -hmm. How can we, you and I, create an environment to salt their oats and help them change their life? It's a good question. So I'm really big into growth and fixed mindset. Um, it's something that I like to talk about on a regular basis. And I think a lot of it has to do with perception. And when we think we can't do something, it's that perception that we talked about, right? That perception versus reality. And oftentimes, not often, every time, there's a root cause to it. There's always a root cause to it. It could be a generational trauma, so maybe it's not something that you're aware. Maybe it was a messaging that was given to you from generation to generation. Um, you know, my parents would be a good example of that is I think that they loved me and they wanted to see me succeed. They were children of the children of the depression. So you needed to do certain things in order for success to look a certain way. And that was just the messaging that they were given from their parents and the messaging that was given to my grandparents, you know, and so on and so on. And so sometimes I think we are coping with messaging that we don't even realize that we're coping with that. It's not our message. It's not valid messaging anymore. It's a generational thing. That's five generations back that nobody really needs to focus on anymore, but we don't realize that we learn how to be adults and, you know, from our parents who learn how to be adults from their parents. And so it gets filtered down. 
you know, and then we have traumas in our lives too, right? You know, experiences that we've had, good things, bad things, you know, trust issues, if that's been a, a reoccurring issue. And so I think we then get to this point where we go, I can't do something or I can't make something happen or you have this fixed mindset. But really, if you can help that person kind of unpack why they feel that way or why they see something a certain way. So, you know, and trying to trace it back to this was the messaging that my parents gave me or this happened to my to me in my life and made me, you know, scared or made me feel a certain way. When you can start to unpack that with a person and then start to kind of rebuild. Okay, now that we've identified that these are the reasons why you think this, let me offer you a different perspective. Let me challenge you with what if you did it this way? What if you were offered? And you've kind of been doing that with me throughout this entire podcast, right? You've been offering me like, what if money wasn't an option? And you could, you know, you're offering a different perspective. And so I think that's the biggest way to allow somebody to kind of change that mindset and go from a fixed to a growth mindset. But you've got to unpack why that fixed mindset exists in the first place in order to be able to get to that change. Mm. Mm, I love it. I think that is um, a really important point that when a lot of people answer this question isn't harped on enough. Like I feel like it's often implied, but really mm -hmm. the unpacking it, why they feel that way, why they see something a certain way and making them feel safe with you yeah. and like getting that perception down is really important. I agree. I mean, and that's, I mean, I essentially am a brain scientist of how we think. And I mean, that's really what it comes down to is we pat ourselves and protect ourselves based off our experiences. And we have to know that those experiences don't have to limit us if that's what we're currently making them do. And, and we do it out of protection, right? Most of the time, if we have these limiting mindsets or these fixed mindsets, it's because we're trying to protect ourselves from a hurt that we've already experienced. And we have to essentially allow ourselves to go, that was that experience. It doesn't mean it's going to happen every experience. And even if it does, it's okay. But as long as we keep moving, I mean, think about like, what was it, Michael Jordan, who got rejected from his high school basketball team, right? Or for all the actors who, you know, had 100 people say no to them before the first person said yes, type of thing. And then, and it's being okay with that and not letting that stop you. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Okay, I want to go back to the mental block we had just real quick before we end the show. Sure. Um, do you think that you playing um, or playing instruments, singing, songwriting, mm -hmm. maybe pursuing the acting thing, if that's really what you want to do, do you think doing that to a greater extent and then documenting it for your neurodiverse teacher brand would be helpful? Because in my mm -hmm. mind, one of the biggest barriers for me when mm -hmm. I was a... Uh, when I was a kid, mm -hmm. my mental health was the authenticity side of things. And mm -hmm. so I feel like if you show an authentic version of yourself that is rooted in the time when you were a kid, it would make it easier for kids to relate to you. And if kids can relate to you, their parents can relate to you, and then you can impact more. Do you think that could that connection could be I helpful? I think you're a genius. <laughs> I think you're a genius. And you, and you know what? I I. I think that's a really good idea. You know, when I had thought about that in the past, I'd always been like, okay, am I doing this then for other people? Am I not doing this for me if I do it? But I think I like the way that you kind of framed it is it's showing it, your, your authentic self and you're being a little vulnerable. And, you know, I think, I think that was some of probably what scared me or stopped me was that vulnerability 
piece, right? Of being, you know, putting myself out there. And if I'm going to be really, really honest, being ADHD for a lot of my life, I don't think I knew who I was. I think I was always a version of what I thought other people wanted me to be. And it wasn't until several years ago that I finally started to go, okay, wait, who am I? Not who am I to what everybody wanted me to be, you know, a good student, a six, you know, who am I actually, what am I actually interested in? And, you know, I'm, I'll say that like 38, I'm still trying to figure that out a little bit because I only just recently woke up and realized I have been a version of me that I thought everybody else needed me to be, but what is my authentic version look like? I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think, um, the little stuff that I've kind of taken on branding and marketing has really talked about, um, kind of social media just being mm -hmm. a amplification of the one-to-one -one that can happen in a human interaction and yeah. vulnerability and authenticity in a human interaction is a thing that builds connection, which, um, you know, I think some of the best viral content has that potency of vulnerability and authenticity. Some of the viral content that like stays the course, you know, some, yeah. some's just funny and whatever it gets clicks. But I think when you can show that authenticity and vulnerability, it's people can rally around that brand a bit mm -hmm. more. And so that's why I was asking about it. But. No, I think, I think that's genius. I love that. I, I really, I love that. Thank you for, for putting that idea out there. I appreciate it. Love it. Love it. So how are you going to implement it? <laughs> I'm actually like, my brain is going a million miles. Around. I'm like, okay, what do I have to do? Do I start creating? I think that's my, my scariest thing is like, okay, I'm going to start creating videos. And then I go, what do they look like? Mm -hmm. What do I do in them? Like, what am I supposed to say? And then I, I worry, like, I feel like I'm being very authentic with you. Like, this is me. But then I feel like when I get that camera in front of me, I, and I still think I don't come across robotic or anything like that, but I'm like, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know. And I feel like I've got tons of crazy life of things that have happened to me. I've got stories for days, but I like don't know how to. And I think that's because I get too stuck in my head of how is this going to be perceived? What is this going to look like? How, you know, and, and I think those limiting factors are sometimes what come in. So what am I going to do? I'm going to create videos, but I'm going to probably sit for an hour trying to figure out what that looks like because I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you could do? What are your three favorite songs? Oh gosh. Um, I got a karaoke song that I always go to. I got a Whitney Houston song that I always go to. And I've got like a, an Italian opera that I like to sing too. I think you should live stream yourself singing mm -hmm. those three songs. Maybe not on your like neurodiverse teacher platform, but if you have okay. some personal social media, yeah. if you want to make the commitment to the neurodiverse teacher platform mm -hmm. that may be something but i think the live stream creates mm -hmm. a setting like this and takes mm -hmm. out a lot of the planning because it's like the people are going to see what the people are going to see and then you're going to have a recorded thing where you can mm -hmm. clip out 60 seconds that went well and maybe do mm -hmm. your first upload just if you're at a time constraint if you have the time right now to put forth towards the planning mm -hmm. by all means mm -hmm. but if you're if the time thing is holding you back take 10 minutes pick those three songs sing them be done and then have that be the first step because done is better than perfect. If that makes sense. I love it. I couldn't agree more. And I love that. This is solid advice and I appreciate it. I need awesome. to hear this. So thank you. <laughs> of course. I think you have found your new life calling too. I, I think that you need to move into like being this motivational, like how are you going to get yourself up off your butt and get moving here, friend? You have, I think you, you are a life coach in the making right now. Like you've got to get out there and, and be that 
Gary V <laughs> needs to call you and, and, and get things started. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate it. No, that. it's true. I I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. So it's a hundred percent true. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, awesome, Kristen. That is all we have for you today on the show. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? I just want to thank you not only for allowing me to come on, but just for you giving me your time, your energy, and for the encouragement. So I I I don't feel like I have the words to express how meaningful it is to me. So thank you so much. Of course. Yeah, no, I'm happy I can do it. And that is like more than enough expression for me because that is the thing that gets me up and gets me going every day. So awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I truly, truly appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. And guys, thank you for listening. If you loved what Kristen had to say, make sure to check out her video that she'll be posting, I'm sure, in the next two <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> With her singing, but also just follow the brand. Um reach out to her. What are the best ways to contact you, Kristen? Absolutely. So my website is www.theneurodiverseteacher.com or TikTok and Instagram are both at the.neurodiverse.teacher. Perfect. There we go. And all those links will be down in the show notes. Make sure to check her check her out and share the content with a friend. Maybe that friend has a child or maybe you have a child. Share the content with them. And yeah, appreciate you guys watching. We will see you on the next one. On that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.